0: Wow, what a difference. The Talkbuster Podcast. Hi, I'm Chris Chipman. You may remember me from such podcasts as the Chipman Brothers Tangent and Creating Geeks, a parenting podcast of great responsibility. I'm here to bring you back to the late 90s, early 2000s, a time of am rays and clamshells, a time of late fees and VHS tapes being replaced by DVDs, a time of stale gumballs and overpriced candy. Yes, that's right. I am talking about the time of Blockbuster Video, the Walmart of the video rental industry, the mom-and-pop video store killer, the corporate big-choice video store that everybody loved to hate. Blockbuster is mostly gone now. Kids today will never know the crazy Friday and Saturday nights with lines wrapped around the store to rent the next big movie. No more will regulars, who are in the know, arrive at 10 a.m. on Tuesdays to snatch up the new rentals that week before the weekend rush. Most of all, No longer will young movie geeks like myself have the memories I, and many others like me, made while working there. You see, under all of the corporate evil and bad practices, Blockbuster was a home, a comfort, a place where I made lifelong friends and even met my wife. It is because of these memories that I, and I'm sure many of you, have that the Talkbuster podcast was created. A place for me and others to share our memories of what once was. Of the before time. Of the long, long ago. I'm looking forward to see where this goes, how it evolves. Join me, won't you? Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another fun-filled episode of the Talkbuster Podcast being recorded for you from quarantine 2020. Um, we're on May 1st, 2020, for those that are keeping track, but since this is a positive show to kind of get you away from that, that's the only real mention I want to have of it, unless uh, it comes up as something cool. Um Involved in blockbuster or what else is going on? Before I get into my guest today, very special guest. Um, I want to thank my fifteen dollar or more patrons. They are Mason, Christopher Finnick, Patricia Chipman, QK Campbell Jr., Alex peregrine Kevin CV, Mike the Gatherer, Tyler Freshcorn, Mark Price, and collaborating online. And my newest patron, Sean Zoltek. Thank you guys so much. Again, this is a hobby. It's something I do as secondary income, but your support and help allows everybody else that's listening to hear this for free. And I really appreciate it. If you want to become a patron, you get early access to all this stuff. um, Patron hangouts, um, all kinds of other fun-filled stuff that i'm working on but you just get the knowledge that you're helping out someone you enjoy this show is a lot of my shows is brought to you by the geeks with shields podcast each week hosts axel and artwork provide a nerdy escape from the darkest timeline talking everything from comics to long forgotten movies and tv shows if the darkest timeline has you down check out the geeks with shields podcast for all your nerdy needs and with that in mind i have a new guest you guys haven't heard before my good friend, please introduce yourself to the masses.
1: Hello, I'm Diana Engelhard. Um I worked at Blockbuster from 2006 to 2008. Uh, I had started as a customer service rep because I just moved from Germany because I'm German-American. I grew up in Germany. Um, and so that I just started Blockbuster. I've always been a big movie fan. I had a movie review website in Germany that I've kind of have a reboot now on Facebook, a Facebook group, but um, yeah, it was a really exciting time. And then I just got so much into working Blockbuster that I moved up to shift lead. And at some point I walked into the district manager's office and said, I want to be an assistant manager, I said, okay. So I moved up to that. So I ended up as a store manager. So that I, that I up. Uh, so that's how I ended up at Blockbuster. But yeah, it was a really exciting time in my life. So I'm very happy to talk to you about
0: my time there. Awesome. So um, to, to get a little bit of, you know, introduction to you as a person. So you came over to hear from Germany around. When was that? Was, you said that was 2006?
1: Yes, that's right. In March and, of 2006.
0: And, and, and what brought you over here? Was it was it work or college or, um, or what?
1: Uh, so, yeah, I, I was born and raised in Germany, but I'm German-American. My mom's American. And uh, so I always had this itch. I lived here when I was seven for one, one year. So I always had the itch to come back and study here. And uh, so I completed my high school education in Germany, and I studied a year at University of Hamburg. That's my hometown. Um, But again, I just thought I had more opportunities um, studying in the US. And so we planned this for years, and then we came over, and suddenly it wasn't that easy to get into college and being able to pay for it. I was really naive about it, because in Germany, it's practically free. Um, So, but then my mother, we were here, and my mother said, well, you're still speaking German and you don't have a job, so please start speaking English you want to come here, and get a job, my God. So I hadn't really worked in Germany, I just applied to all kinds of different places, and I one of them was Blockbuster, and I thought, oh, well, that's cool, I'd like to work in a movie place, I know a lot about movies, uh, and uh, the video rental, rental experience in Germany is very different uh, than in the US. Um, but so I thought that would be cool, and everybody rejected me, And I just had an interview with my manager at Blockbuster, my future manager. And he just thought, okay. Um, He told me later. He said, yeah, I I, I was really not sure about you. But I thought I'd give you a shot. So I got the job. And, you know, I started out. It was a little uh, tricky in the beginning. I didn't know the currency. Like, my assistant manager thought I was, like, stealing because my register was, like, $5 off. and um, But I got the hang of it. And suddenly I just really got into it, I couldn't start studying right away, and my manager started giving me more assignments, and it just, I just became such an integral part of my life, and I became more ambitious, and I just wanted to move up and um, do more things.
0: Wow, so did, you said you didn't speak any English when you came to America?
1: Oh, no, so we do have English there, Uh, we do teach English in Germany, but, and my mother spoke English at home, um, it's just I was answered in German. So I could understand English perfectly. And uh, it was my con- one of my concentrations in high school. So it was just about the speaking. I wasn't really used to speaking it. Of oh, course. Um, I was great at writing it. I was great at um, hearing it. I watched movies in English. Um, because the dubbing in, in Germany it sucks. So you really had to listen to the movies in the original. But, yeah, I just wasn't used to speaking it. So it was a little scary, especially at Blockbuster. You have to talk to people and you have to uh try to sell the movie passes and the rewards programs and i'm like oh my god but yeah i adapted quickly and it was um, you know was a made a big made made a big difference for me adapt like assimilating in the country working
0: at blockbuster because i was gets- gonna say what what better way than to throw yeah. yourself into a job where social interaction is kind of uh, priority number one right yeah. And and it's about something you already love. So that that that's way better than, you know, having to, you know, sell cars or um, you know, I don't know, cable boxes like door to door or coffee makers, you know, or or whatever it is, you know. I always said to people, they're like, Why do you have such a strong love and remembrance for Blockbuster? I said, Because despite it being a corporate entity and all this other stuff, I loved the product. So I could talk to people all day about the product. And it didn't feel so much like a job. It didn't feel faked when I had to recommend something to somebody, you know?
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that, well, I, I think I would have failed miserably in any other job, probably. But yeah, that's the thing, too. I mean, I love movies so much. And um, as you said, it's the same thing. Um, if I made a recommendation, it was something I meant. I could talk about it. And uh, I was probably like the main movie expert at the different stores I worked at. So, but it really helped. People could tell, too, if you're genuine about it. And it helped, you know, selling uh, the movie passes and rewards because I don't like to sell something to somebody just because the district manager said, "Okay, you have to sell this. You have to get 20 this week. Never mind the rewards. We need 20 movie passes. Well, I'm not going to sell something to somebody that they're not going to uh, use or they're going to waste their money on because then next time I want to sell them something or recommend something, they're not going to trust me. So that's kind of my sales approach and um and and it worked for me i mean my sales numbers i'm i'm like that not like joshua schaefer who you have you've had on your podcast i'm not like some super sales genius but i was pretty good and i knew how to motivate the people who were like the top sellers in my store because as an assistant manager you know you were an assistant manager and store manager um you're also sales manager so that's what you're responsible for and so i had to make sure that i got my numbers but again not at the cost of integrity but yeah knowing your movies uh, yeah,
0: made a huge difference. So, you know, to, to jump back for a second, because because I love the background, um, you know, I and that, that to me is a very interesting thing. You get all of these people like you and me and Josh and everyone that have had a very similar experience at Blockbuster, but come from completely different backgrounds and coming from a completely different country in a different um, initial language is, is is an amazing one that I haven't heard too much from people. So. You said you had a movie review site, um, prior to coming over here and that's that Facebook site, which you linked me to, and I'll link people, you know, or I'll tell, tell people about it. You can let me know if you want people to join or not, but, um, uh, so what were you, were you doing? Um, you know, big, like Hollywood releases, like what was the ba- the background for your movie review site when, when you were doing it in Germany?
1: Okay. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, absolutely. Anybody who wants to join, that's cool. Um, Yeah, so uh, I was in high school, and uh, I had some, you know, I had these uh, friends I made, and uh, at some point, you know, we like to talk about movies, and I was more the movie expert, but one of my friends just came up with the idea. I I guess I was like 15, 16. This went on for three years, we had this website. And internet was fairly new then, so that kind of was interesting too. Um, And he just said, you know, Hey, the three of us, we should have a movie w- review website. And I'm like, yeah, sure. I'm cool. I mean, I, I like to talk about movies and write about movies. And I was writing my own novel, like little stuff like that. And so I thought that's cool. And he came up with a name, Be Critical. And yeah. so he said, okay, he was, a, he was a very smart guy, so he knew how to do websites. So he did all the technical stuff with him, everything. And so he said, yeah, I'll make a website. You know, you write reviews and I write reviews and our other friend writes reviews. So we just started doing that. And at that point, I was like at the peak of my movie going. So I went to the movie theater uh, like 40 times a year at that point. Yes. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And I mean, it was uh, it's not like here you can barely afford it. But in Germany it's like, I don't know, five. Well, what would be considered dollars? to go in to watch a sneak preview. So I love going to the midnight sneak previews. And uh, in my hometown of Hamburg, it's the third largest city in Germany, um, I lived close to movie theaters. So my mother didn't really have to worry, and I wasn't a wild child anyway. So she said, if you want to go to the movie theater, just be careful, but, you know, go ahead. So, yeah, sneak previews were so exciting. I loved them. And, yeah, so those were mainly, the reviews were mainly on new releases. And so I really should have spent more time on my schoolwork. But I just started this. I just wrote the reviews and I just had so much fun. I was so passionate about it. And uh, so, yeah, that went on for a couple of years. And, you know, things happen that, you know, people grow apart. And my friend spent a year in America because that's something Germans do in 10th, 11th grade. Um, But, yeah, I never forgot the website. And then when, uh, well, just recently I I had uh, started a political group on Facebook a couple of years ago, three and a half, three years ago. And so then at some point I thought, why don't I have a movie website? And I should be working on my writing. I want to do more writing. So then I came up. I thought, okay, let's have a movie website. And I like, oh, my God, let's just use the same name. It's so great. And so I had it. And, uh, I, you know, I've really just recently tried to build it up a little more. And I had a friend who helped me with that. And so, yeah, now it's, a, now it's perfect since we're all stuck at home um, and we're all watching more movies. Now is the time I thought, oh, this is great. Now people are really, they want to get recommendations. And that's why I'm trying to focus on recommending things on Netflix and Hulu. Um, because, again, people are bored. And they want to watch stuff. And if I can uh, work on my writing and I can recommend um, movies and if people read it, I'm, I'm really grateful. And if they watch the movie, that's great. You know, it's a, it's a win-win for everybody.
0: That's awesome. And that's B Critical is the name of the group on Facebook, right? I'm just that's because right. I, I got a direct link invite. Just want to make sure I get it right. Uh-huh. That's correct. Awesome. So no, that that's that's such a cool background because it's like, you know, again, talking to someone from, you know, thousands of miles away that was doing similar stuff when you know they were a teenager you know whatever. it's like oh i'm just really into movies and we had this hobby and me and my friends talked about it and me me and my friends wrote reviews and we made little sh- short films and we all just kind of all ended up at blockbuster it was very very strange um so then where was the blockbuster you worked in the united states
1: okay so I actually, uh, I'm, uh, when I was taking, making notes for this podcast, um, I realized I've, I actually worked like at eight stores altogether. Um, it's just uh, four of them were permanent stores, and then four I, stores I helped out at, I always needed the extra, like the extra overtime. And again, I had no life, so I might as yep. well help out. At, at These stores that were a mess, some of them were just like a disaster. They needed some uh, loving care. Um, so this, was, uh, this is um, in the San Francisco Bay Area. And uh, I worked in these stores in uh, San Francisco, the San Francisco Peninsula. So that's like south, uh, the, an area south of San Francisco. And yep. these stores were very close to San Francisco actually. Um, so yeah, again, they're like four. One had closed, so I moved on to another store and then I moved on to another store. And then um, I became an acting store manager um and uh then i became a store manager so i got my own store uh, store that's actually uh was in south san francisco which is again as the name suggests not very far from san francisco
0: right yeah i've, I've been i've been to san francisco actually recently now for the first time and um so ge- geographic wise it's like oh, i can picture all this this is great um because san francisco is very even though it's very similar on a longitude latitude location as boston it's so different from an environmental standpoint like it, it just it's very different like flying into san francisco i'm like wow i did not expect this i loved it it was very cool
1: oh yeah san francisco is full of surprises yeah my store actually was in the district uh, the same district as san francisco so yeah i was one of the lower level stores i was like medium-sized medium-level store but yeah the san francisco stores they made a lot of money I can imagine. Um, so Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like I was directly competing with them, but it was interesting being in that district. Because, again, you know, such high revenue we are talking about. There. Oh, yeah.
0: And so how busy, you know, were were your stores? Because two, 2006, 2008 was about the time I was nearing my end of the time at Blockbuster. But, man, in, like, 2000, 2001, geez, we couldn't even breathe. It was so busy.
1: Yeah, so I I believe – um. Well, especially, uh, around 2008, I mean, I could see the signs of decline already. I mean, that's one reason why I didn't stay. Um, yeah. but, uh, and uh, as you could see some mismanagement and everything like that. Um, but yeah, I was pretty busy. So if I just uh, think about the numbers of, of my store in South San Francisco, it was like usually weekly. It was like 20 to $30,000. That's pretty good.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. It wasn't too bad. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah, it was a little more hopping, of course, when I started in two thousand six. But yeah, I mean, I'm sure it wasn't like it was in like the early two thousands, no doubt. But I can't really compare it since I didn't work there then.
0: No, that that's all right. Do you uh, do you remember some of the big movies, like big releases during that time? That was just like crazy the amount you got in.
1: Um. Yeah, that's a really good question. So, I mean, I do remember. Uh one of the stores one of the one my favorite store actually I worked at was in Burlingame, California. Uh uh-huh. the washi area. I, I loved it there. And uh of course that was a store where people have a lot of money. So I had some really beautiful sales experiences there. I mean, I had this one guy, uh one person I uh volunteered to be his personal shopper because he uh came in and he said, Okay, I want to buy movies. I have the whole family at my home, my God, I need movies, I don't care, I, I'm gonna spend whatever, I don't care, I need movies, I need somebody to help me. And <laughs> I, I, I love this guy, I mean, I still, I just, I wish I knew his name. Um, I, I I, heard this, I was working, probably doing an end cap, maybe doing the map for Tuesdays or whatever, I forgot what I was doing. And, or I was fixing the pricing, I have a real obsession with pricing, I just like, I was a stickler for that, and I memorized all the prices. Um, yep. and I heard him talk to a customer service rep, and you know, it wasn't a bad customer service rep, but he didn't have the knowledge of movies I did, and so I overheard this, and I just like just practically dropped what I was doing, and I raced up to this guy, and I said, "Hey, oh yeah, no, I can definitely help you out, uh, get some really good deals and some great movies." And um, the customer service rep didn't care. I mean, I think he was somebody who went to school or something, and uh, I helped this guy out for like half an hour or something. And I mean, I didn't cheat him. I tried to find him the best deals, like with the previously viewed movies and everything, if he wanted a new movie, whatever. And yeah, and then I he went to check out and I heard he spent like $700, 750 And it's like, oh my God, that was <laughs> a great experience. I still think about that. Um, so it's so crazy. So yeah. yeah. And that same Christmas, I mean, I was somebody, again, without a life. I worked Christmas Day. I worked Christmas Eve. I worked New Year's. I worked Thanksgiving. I didn't care. I worked Saturdays, Fridays, whatever. Actually, I liked working Saturdays. It was, you know, it was a lot of fun. Um, and um, so, one movie that we sold the most of in the region at that point that was Ratatouille. Yes, that was come out, and that was Christmas time. And it's like I love Ratatouille. I mean, I I try to watch it as, like every Christmas too. Um, but yeah, so that was a really big movie. Um, that movie
0: rented like crazy.
1: Yeah, and of course the, the people in this at the store had a lot of kids, so that, that worked out. Yeah, I can't think of the other movies. I mean, I know Joshua in fourteen oh eight, that really didn't sell, uh, fly off the shelves. Yeah, it didn't in our district either. Um, yeah, I just really can't think of some of the other movies. No, that, I'm just kind of thinking on
0: of that. No, no, that's all right. It just it, it's it's always something. You know, the chewy one's enough. You 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 got a lot of good. Um, info just out of that. So what about, um, you worked at a bunch of different stores and jumped around, but was there, was there a big camaraderie with the employees at your stores Did like people get along and like hang out outside or whatever, or was it kind of just more, this is my job and I'm just going to sit in a corner and, and crunch.
1: You know, it varied. Um, I, I hung out, uh, with, um, I think like two employees or we went to San Francisco drinking and it's like, yeah, not really the greatest idea. I mean, it, there was no harm in it. Um, but, um, yeah, otherwise, I mean, I try to not socialize with people outside of work. Um, yep. but yeah, sometimes, I mean, at the first store I worked at, this was in San Bruno, California. And then when that store closed, we went to Burlington, California store. And so you had some best friends there who worked together. And, uh, actually it's funny because I mean, today as a manager, I wasn't a manager then I wouldn't think it's so funny. I'd be horrified. They, they went to the parking lot and smoked grass and then they came yep. back. So they're always like relaxed and a good mood. Um, but, yeah, so I didn't understand it at the time. I was pretty naive. It's like, what are you guys doing? And they're like, oh, we're just smoking. And it's like, okay, whatever. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we didn't have that much camaraderie. People got along. I mean, we didn't have these rivalries or anything like that. I mean, a lot of people, most people weren't like, well, we had some of the people who had been working at Blockbuster for years. I had an assistant manager who worked, uh, had been working at Blockbuster for 15 years. And, um, so he was sort of an institution. He was like this great salesperson, and then uh, at my Burlingham store, we had two guys. Uh, they had worked there five, six years, and uh, so nobody really was friends there. But yeah, we we got along. There there weren't you know it wasn't too much hostility. At my last store, the store I managed uh, in South San Francisco, there, they they were kind of clumped. They were friends, and that actually caused some problems. Um, but yeah. before that, people got
0: along. Did you have people like that you'd be like looking forward to working with? You know, I always had like you know, oh man, it's going to be a great night because you know this guy's on, and we just you know, you know the banter, or just you know we you know, play movie games while we're ringing out all the people or whatever.
1: Oh yeah, oh absolutely, uh, absolutely. For me, it was more of a from a professional standpoint because once I became a manager, I, be- I was very serious about that yep. and to my numbers and everything. So at these two guys I mentioned, Burlingame. Uh, California. So they had been there several years and they were just like the greatest salespeople I've ever seen. And um, so I really like working with them. And uh, once especially I become assistant manager, Um, I mean, you have so many things to do. And um, and, then my manager always scheduled me on a Saturday night with these two. And uh, well, you know, what? something I learned at Blockbuster is um, that, you know, people want to take pride in their work. And uh, I mean, I think that's important because sometimes some people say, oh, this is just a second job or this is just uh, the job I have. I'm going to school. But at the end of the day, we spend so much time working that we do want to feel good about it. And so I try to incorporate that into my management style. And so with these two, uh, the one guy really didn't like to do check ins. And I could tell he was like doing it very slowly. And my manager got all excited about it. And I thought, well, you know what? But he's like my best seller, like him and this other guy. So, you know what, I'm going to do the check-ins later for him, whatever. As long as he's happy doing his sales and getting these uh, amazing numbers, that I can work with. So I really liked working with these two because on a Saturday night, to motivate myself and motivate them, especially when it got busy, I've, I told them, I said, okay, let's have a sales competition. So whoever gets the most sales, I don't know what the reward was. Uh, maybe just personal gratification. But I just said, okay, I'm going to beat you guys tonight. So let's just all work <laughs> on this. And see who gets who's gonna sell the most movie passes because um, this was also the district manager's office in Burlington. So I saw the I saw the district manager every day. And that is uh, the manager who's who I walked in on when I was frustrated that I wasn't moving up fast enough, in my opinion. And I just said, I wanna be an assistant manager. And he said, Okay. He said, We actually need quite a few, so you know, I'll throw you into the mix. And uh, so once I did become a manager, I thought, OK, I'm going to have to hit those numbers because he can just come into the store and look at me and say, hey, Diana, what's up with those numbers from last week? Yep. And so I um I had these sales competitions with these guys and they were really great guys. They were so nice. And um, that was a lot of fun. Like that was my Saturday evening. I'm, I know a lot of people probably went out to the disco or did whatever. But for me, that was like an entertaining, fun evening just working with those guys and trying to beat my sales numbers and then hit the numbers for the week. That was great for me. I loved it. No, so but- yeah, those two I working with and then I moved on to another store in Daly City, California. And I yep. had the grid. so My manager was not like he he was okay. He was a nice guy. I thought he was really cute and everything. He was fun, but he just didn't do a lot of work and he knew I was good. So he took advantage of that. And uh, so I did most of his manager work. And I thought, oh, this is tricky because I don't really have the rapport with the customers in this area as I did in the the other store. But I had the greatest team. Like they were so, some of them are, might be critical. So I just want to point out, thank you guys. I love you. Um, They were just great. They were hard workers and you could teach them how to do the pricing. I did that with the one guy because like I'm obsessed with pricing, but I can't do it all. And so later he would call me at my store and he said, oh, can you imagine this store went down $5? I'm so excited. And I'm like, oh, good. I did. That's what I wanted. I'm so happy. So, yeah, I really like working with them, too. So basically, I I like working with most people, you know, except for my last store. But, you know, once you're the store manager, yeah, people tend to not like you as much. It's just it kind of goes with the territory.
0: Yeah, it's a really hard position to be in, particularly in that store, because like you said, it's a very social job. Yes. You, you have to be able to at least have a rapport. And yeah, it's very hard to do that when you also have to be the disciplinarian and the, the motivator. But it, it sounds like you found the right way to do it there, though, with the motivation. I, I remember um when I was the assistant store manager, me and my store manager, who is he was in my wedding party. So I, I've known yeah. this guy forever. And he, um, we were in the district store. Um, and that's the one I ended up managing, um, as a store manager when he, uh, when he broke his leg and had to be out. So that's how I ended up taking over, but he, um, him and I would work Friday closed Saturday open and, and our reasoning behind it was okay. Friday is crazy. The store gets destroyed. (laughs) We want to get out of here quick. So we don't have an overrun on hours you know, on the weekends. So we would close on Friday, do a halfway decent job cleaning up, but then both show up early. We'd get home, get to sleep, both show up early on Saturday and make the store immaculate to be ready for Saturday so we could be proud of it rather than staying there late after getting beaten down by the customer rush the night before. So that's how we did it. And ended. we were a fine oiled machine. Like we had an employee helping us till 10 on Friday. They went home and then we closed the store up I mean, got there. sat. It was great. And, and it was awesome because he was my friend. Like, I also respected him and listened to him. And he was my boss. But, you know, it wasn't it wasn't like, a, oh, this is going to be awful. It's a Friday. It's gonna, oh, cool. I get to hang out with Scott and we get to see how many movie passes we can sell. Or we get to see, you know, um, you know, who can come up with the best recommendation or, you know, when our favorite customer comes in and always gives us crap about a movie not being, in. you know, it, it was just a good time.
1: That sounds wonderful. I mean, that's interesting. Uh, I've never really, never really thought about it that way, like closing and opening, because for me, that was, especially when I did the scheduling, that's like, that was the cardinal sin of scheduling. Yeah. So it was. Yeah. So, I mean, people would just like look at me like and hate me. I know if I scheduled it that way. So I tried not to, but God, scheduling was really, that's probably one of the most difficult things. Um, oh, it was. I did as a man- manager. Special.
0: Especially when you got those hours crunches, like where they come in and go, sorry, you're not getting the hours you thought you had. And then you've got, oh, I have full time people that need to get paid. You know, it it was really hard.
1: Oh, yeah. So with me, it was a different situation because I went into a store that was understaffed. I only had two part time shift leaders to the store I went to as a store manager. So that was a horror. And one of the shift leaders was actually really terrible. And it uh, turned out he actually stole from a customer with two other people later. I caught them. So then, my store really was understaffed. So nobody had a problem with getting hours. I had people with newborn kids who were like, "I don't work on the weekends." And then I had a new employee. Oh, I don't want to work. I decided I am not going to work on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays anymore. And it's like, well, I hired you under these conditions, so I had these kind of problems. So yeah, nobody had to worry about their hours, but yeah, it was really hard being a store manager. I mean, I just kind of run it run run me into the ground. So it was. You know, it, 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 was
0: it definitely had a way of destroying your spirits. Oh, yeah.
1: And I was young. I was like 24 at the time, and I was so naive. And uh, I made a lot of mistakes. I mean, I was a really a hard worker, and I kept the store afloat. But, I mean, I, the mistakes I made, I mean, I just wasn't ready, and I shouldn't have been a store manager. But, you know, you learn from these experiences, and it helped me later in life. So, you know, no regrets. My name's Jubeto Funkin, one-shoe stumble, knackle timber shivers, at your service. I'm looking for some
0: friends of mine. The Many Pennies? The Many Pennies. Them.
1: I know we've been really busy, but I think that all we need to do is just tackle the next thing on this 24-item to-do list and we'll be fine. Someone bring me some food.
0: Also, my flask is empty. I need a refill. Nobody panic. I may have lost several scorpions. I said nobody panic. Check out this new skin patch on my cloak, guys. G- guys?
1: You know... I might be looking for someone else.
0: I don't blame you. Adventure Incorporated, a Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition actual play adventure podcast. New episodes every Monday. Find us at AdventureIncPod.com. Something interesting that happened um, long before 2006, when I got to the company, they didn't have shift leaders. Oh, Yeah, uh, yeah they only had store managers, assistant store managers, and CSRs. So there were a couple of weird things that would happen there. You'd either have way too many assistant store managers. So then some of them would be doing shift leader type jobs. And some of them would have more of the, you know, store manager roles that the assistant store manager would take. And you'd get like fighting between them. Like, Oh, well, this guy only ever closes. So he doesn't know anything about doing like the maps, you know? And like, it, it, it was just chaos. Or you'd have weird things where they'd have shift leaders that they, oh, sorry, CSRs, they'd allow to have keys. Ooh. which was weird like you know they'd have so csrs could never close but a csr could open the store and it was like all right this just seems weird you know <laughs> so csrs would never touch money but they could you know come in in the morning and get the store up and running it's just like oh my god so the shift leader thing was great but the problem with the shift leader thing is when they rolled it out they ended up demoting half of the assistant store managers at the stores So that created a big upheaval. Huh,
1: that's interesting. Uh, So you had more than one assistant manager, is that it?
0: Yeah, so when I got to my store, we had three assistant store managers.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. And then two of them got demoted to shift leader when they rolled out the shift leader thing in 2001. Um, And that was a bummer because it came with a pay cut. So it was like, oh, you know.
1: (sighs) Yeah. Well, the money wasn't that great at Blockbuster anyway. Uh, That's uh, interesting. Yeah, because, (laughs) yeah, I mean, we so our, uh, like with us, it was obviously we had the store manager, and ideally we had an assistant manager, one. And then that actually was a problem because when I wanted to be a assistant manager, we had just gotten a assistant manager. This was in Burlington From another store, he got transferred. And then I'm looking at my mantra, I'm like, I've been a shift leader, I'm really good, so what's going to happen? He said, well, I have a new assistant mantra, so you're not quite ready, kid, yet anyway. And it's like, oh, my God. And, and I was thinking money, of course, all the time. It's like, yeah. this, this is the San Francisco Bay Area, it's very expensive. And so um, I just was really actually pissed off about it. And that's when I decided, well, you know what, there are other stores, I'm helping out at other stores that are just like total disaster, the pricing is all off, and um, the whole older movie section. I know there was a term for that, I can't remember it. I'm trying to favorite. figure. they like the older movies, like the middle the of the store. No. they
0: call them the favorites.
1: Okay, yeah. So some of them, I, some of the stores I went to, oh my God, they're a disaster. And they had just gotten new store managers in from other companies, so they didn't really know the ropes. But I did, and I thought this is ridiculous. I should be an assistant manager. So that's why I made that decision. I'm just going to be one. That's it. Um. So I, I'd never done anything like that in my life. Um. But yeah. So yeah. That's um. That's interesting. So yeah, but yeah, then and then my manager uh decided no, he wanted me as assistant manager. So he kind of switched things around. But yeah, it was pretty tough. Like you only could have one assistant manager. Well, actually two would have been nice. And we had like two or three shift leads, I think, ideally.
0: Yes, yeah. Ideal store was a store manager, one or two assistant store managers and like three shift leaders is perfect. Because then you can cover all the shifts. And you have it. You have the ability to, for someone to get sick or call out without it, like being the end of the world.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So, sure. um, you you had sent me some pictures of some end cap stuff oh, yes. that I I thought yes. there was a cool story behind that.
1: Yes. Uh, so I designed those for, um, uh, I believe it was a Burlington store. So it, there must have been a big Denzel movie out. I mean, I have a feeling it might have been Deja Vu, but I'm not 100 yes. percent sure because. Uh Denzel's been on my mind, obviously now. Um, but um yeah, I think it might have been deja vu. And so uh, of course, uh, since you know, um the new releases, everybody gets the new releases and they had the highest rental price with like four or five dollars or whatever. But uh the profit margin was actually higher on the older on the favorites. Yes, um, it was. So that's why we always wanted to encourage people to rent those too. And so I had this idea and Johnny Depp, there must've been a big movie out too, because there's a reason I had Johnny Depp. those are the pictures I sent you. And those are the only ones that survived that I have. Um, That I thought, how am I going to, how are we going to encourage people to rent those older movies? And so I thought, well, here's an idea. There's a new release out for Denzel. And maybe people will be like, oh my God, Denzel is such a great actor. I wish I could watch some of his other work. And so, and I'm at blockbuster and they have all kinds of movies. So I thought, okay, let's encourage this. I loved end caps. And because i worked on the map very early on as a shift lead every Tuesday, I just loved it. I'm a big merchandising person. I love it. It's so much fun. It's very creative. I feel, even though, you know, you have the strict corporate guidelines, you could still play around a little. And so I, um, I decided, okay, I have some empty end caps here. They shouldn't be empty. This is ridiculous. So I'm, and I, Art-wise, I can't draw. I mean, I'm—I don't have. I'm not artistically very gifted, but I do like collages. I've done those for like a really long time, and so I thought, how about we? Uh, th- so we had an attic in this uh, district store in Burlingame, and they had all these empty covers for the movies, for the older movies, and they're just like all in a pile in the attic. So I went rummaging through the attic and looking for uh, relevant covers, and I found like all these different covers for Denzel movies and for like Johnny Depp movies. And so I took those and nobody was claiming them. Nobody cared about them. So I cut them up and then I made a collage and uh, I designed that with the size for the end cap. And so I put up the end cap and then I gathered all the movies, the Denzel movies that I could find from the favorites. And so I put them um, on this end cap. And so I was hoping that people would walk through and say, hey, oh my God, there's Deja Vu's out. And now, oh, here are his older movies. I think we'll pick some up. And uh, one thing that drove my district manager crazy, um, I put up these empty DVD covers and put them along the new release wall. And I did this particularly with uh, Johnny Depp, I remember. I might've done it with Den. No, I did it with Johnny Depp because one of my posters that I have, I thought it was very clever. Um, I'm a big Frank Frank Sinatra fan, so I thought of That's Life, and it says in What's Life, um, it has the lyric, he's been a puppet, a pauper, a pirate, like a puppet, a pauper, a a pawn, and a king, you know? And so I was thinking, how can I come up with this? You know, Johnny Depp is such a versatile actor. He's probably, like, one of the best of his generation. And I thought, you know, especially with him, there seems to be relevance, especially pirate, right? I mean, we all know that, he played a pirate and he played a poet because I really love uh Finding Neverland. And so yep. I thought, well, I'm sure he'd have played a pauper somewhere. I'm gonna just wing it with that one. And then I thought, oh, so puppet. So I thought, oh, Edward Scissorhand. Scissorhands. scissor I think that comes close enough.
0: So oh, I'll yeah. just come
1: come up with that. And so I I I spread these, I filled these empty DVD covers uh on the new release wall with these little sayings like, Who has been a puppet a pauper, a pirate a poet? And um just to kind of lure people to the end caps. And I just said, oh, check the end caps or something. So I thought it was really clever. And my district manager, I sent him a picture of this and yeah, he got all upset. He said, Diana, you're not, you know, please spend your time on other things at the store. And I'm like, well, don't worry. Uh, This is not on company time. Of course, these are like things I shouldn't have done, but you know, it did help our profit margin and people liked it. So, and I still have um, the memorabilia, so. I mean I I look back at that fondly but yeah you know it made me happy too because it made my time more fun at blockbuster you know being concerned with right. these kind of things
0: let, let you put your personal staple on it and they 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 did discourage that stuff unfortunately but you know we would do things like put out movie reviews for the new oh. releases and, and you know they didn't like that but we did that and you know we uh you do employee favorite sections, which some of the stores were allowed to have, but ours, because it was the district office, couldn't. But we'd put it up, and then they'd complain, and we'd hide it, and then we'd put it back up. Because the (laughs) customers loved it. Sure. they did. Um, The the Blockbuster and Bend, because they were a franchise store, and now they're the last one, um, they do all kinds of fun stuff like that. They actually let their employees, when they make their employee favorites section, they let them draw their own cover art for the movie. Well, so it's fun. like this is my favorite and it's like that's really cool.
1: Well, I guess they should have some liberties. I mean, that they survived all this. That's amazing.
0: Yeah, it's incredible. That they're they're an inspiration for sure. I love I don't know if you've seen the uh, the poster for it, but they made a new poster for the movie. Um, the movie about it, the documentary, and they've got all these like big actors, like Kevin Smith and other people they've interviewed that are drawn on the poster. But Sandy Harding, who's the store manager over the Blockbuster, is the biggest one, like up on top of all of them. And I'm like, this is great! Like, way to be immortalized, right? That's so cool.
1: That's great. Yeah, I have no, I hadn't, I haven't heard about this uh, documentary yet. Again, I haven't really thought about Blockbuster in a while until Joshua just said, "Hey, do you want to go on the podcast?" I mean, I know he had been on the podcast, but. Um, and I thought, okay, but oh, that's exciting. I'm yeah, looking really part of thats that. Is I, that gonna be on Netflix
0: or I'm not sure yet? So it was supposed to premiere in Bend, like they were gonna do a big like premiere in the city that the blockbuster's in in May, but I'm assuming that's not happening now because of all this. But um, the guy who made it has been on this show. Um, he, he made another documentary about ska Music, like you know, the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, split people like that. Um, and I had been like, Oh my God, he's making the last blockbuster movie. And Sandy's like, Oh yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll hook you up with him. He, he's a great guy. And it's fascinating to hear him talk about it. Cause he moved to bend and had this idea about making a movie about blockbuster before the blockbuster and bend was the last one. Like this was, there was like, you know, five or six left in the country and a couple. So it's like, I just want to make this movie before blockbuster closes. And then in production, the local blockbuster in the town he was from became the last one on the planet by coincidence. It's so cool. That's wonderful. Yeah,
1: I'm really excited about
0: that now. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. I can't wait to see it. My only only regret is that I wasn't able to fly out there when they were filming it and become part of it because that would have been really cool.
1: Of course, yeah.
0: But yeah, so San Francisco Bay blockbuster. What other, do you have any other like stories that just jump to the top of your head of like fond memories or crazy things that happened while you were there?
1: Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean, you had already discussed, uh, well, we had the competition going on while I was there with HDD, DVD, and Blu ray. And yep. um, actually, it was uh, when I started, it was undecided still. So we had people really confused about it. People were renting the HD DVDs and the Blu-ray DVDs, and um, then they got confused because one didn't play in their player, and we just had to warn them all the time. But uh, yeah, I didn't know how that would play out, and I know when DVDs came out, I told my mother, we have to get a DVD player, she's like, oh my god, no, I've gone through the Switch from A track, I had that, and I've gone through this. (laughs) VHS, yeah. And she said, she had, like, we, for a long time, we had some piece of furniture. It was a former 8-track player. And it's like, oh, my God, you're still hauling that thing along? And um, so, yeah, she didn't want to go on board. But you kind of are forced into it. You really have, don't have a choice. And in the end, you know, we, you, I, we have a Blu-ray player, too. It's just, you know, I tried to kind of stay away from that. Because it's like, you know, we have a like, thousand, two thousand movies. And it's like, you really don't want to make that switch. And it's bad enough. We still have some VHSs, and we have a lot of VHSs. And the thing about bringing up Germany again, um, we have a different system there. So we have PAL, and here it's NTSC. So uh-huh. We had all these movies from uh, Germany that were PAL. So we had to like find a player that would play both. And yeah, that took us a while to find that. So that's a pest. And um, so now it's it's not so bad with the DVDs. We have a lot of German DVDs because I bought a lot there. So that's not so problematic to find one that plays all regions. But yeah, so any other blockbuster stories? Well, one thing I would like to bring up: um, I really didn't do a lot of video renting in Germany because it's very different in Germany. So in Germany, uh, violence, you know, is shunned more than it is here. Like sexuality, yep. that's different. Like um, here, that's the bigger problem. But no, in Germany, it's uh, the opposite. So we have uh, stipulations in Germany that you don't have PG, like parental guidance in Germany. They they put a limit on a movie that has like, it's a, you have to be 12 years old to get into this movie, otherwise you can't go in. Or if it's 18, it's like it's a really gory movie or something. And so... Yeah, my mother had to smuggle me and in sometimes into the movie theaters and with the English speaking movie theaters was okay. And then I lived in a red light district apartment, really nice apartment, but the area wasn't great and they didn't care who came in. Um, so yeah, that, that was something different here. It's a do- totally different experience. I mean, uh, they just don't restrict it here. If kid wants to see the movie and the parents are okay with it, that's fine. In Germany, no, you just can't do it. And it was a uh, video store was very extreme. So because if you were under 18, you could not enter a video store. So if my mother went to get a rental, I had to stay outside or I had to stay in the corner. Um, So that was what I really liked about America being here, especially video renting. It's such a, it was like an event going on a Saturday night. You brought your kids. And I mean, as a, you know, working, sometimes the kids, you know, I wish they hadn't been there because they used to like destroy my merchandise, my end caps and stuff, and I just hated them. Um, But uh yeah but otherwise it's like a fun experience it's a family experience and yeah it's totally different in germany so yeah i never really had that experience as a teen like going to the video rental store so it was kind of nice having it here even though you know i was an employee still it's kind of interesting comparison
0: oh my it, absolutely you because of germany's restriction which is you know I guess I can understand it. You know, the, uh, we're going to limit it to the highest level of product we sell here. So you could have access and put in your hands, a product that is unable for you to buy. So we're just not going to let you in, I, I guess from some weird censorship direction, that makes sense. But you, you missed out on my fondest memories of my childhood were being like eight or nine years old and walking around the video store and getting to look at all the boxes. And, you know, obviously the ones that were really racy for you to look at were were hidden away right but you know getting to walk through the horror section and just see and wonder what this movie with this crazy cover that i'm not supposed to rent was about was part of the fun of you know walking around a video store it's that like you know i i loved that and that that to me is one of the hardest parts about having things digital and less physical now is i loved that Picking up a box and looking at something and trying to learn what it was and think about what it might be and not just going to Google and reading about it, you know?
1: Absolutely. Well, that's what I hear most, too, from people. It's like they miss this physical experience. And again, it was an event. Going to Blockbuster's event. It's fun. That's why people came on Christmas Day. I think people were so sick of each other, uh, looking at each other. That is, like, oh my God! Let's just get out and go to the local blockbuster because some a lot of the stores were closed. Um. So, but yeah, you no, know, in Germany it was just different. So yeah, I, I do. I I missed out in a way, but then I I got that experience here. So, that that worked out well for me.
0: Have you ever heard of Scarecrow Video?
1: No, I haven't.
0: So I I did I did an episode with a guy who works there, but Scarecrow Video. I don't. I think they're in LA. They might be in San Diego, but I think they're in LA. Uh, um, they are, I think, a hundred and thirty thousand physical media things deep. They're the uh, they're a nationally recognized archive for physical media. So they have VHS, Laserdisc, um, DVD, Blu-ray, and they're still an active video rental place. Like you can you can go and rent, you know. And they have some stuff that is completely out of print. um, And it just sounds like a wild place. It's all nonprofit. I've been waiting for an excuse to be out that side of the country to go and visit. But um, if someone that, you know, has a similar video renting experience, I think it would be a a a cool destination if you were ever in the area to check it out. Because it sounds like a blast.
1: Yeah, it does. Yeah, no. Yeah, for sure. Huh. Well, one thing that's different, too, here uh, than in Germany, and I always think, my manager, I don't know, he didn't tell me, that that actually got me the job since I had no experience, and, like, my English was probably sounded really weird. My accent kind of changed over time, too, while I was a blockbuster. So where people started guessing what my accent was, they thought first, are you from Australia, UK? It's like, no, I don't sound like that, but that's cool. Thank you, anyway. And then they start saying, oh, you're from, oh, you're American, obviously, but you're from the East Coast. You're not from here. And then towards the end, Uh, I guess I'd adapted my accent so well that people just assumed I was a California girl. Um, So sometimes people pick up on my intonation is a little different. And people say, you're not, you know, from here. In Germany, people immediately pick up that I'm not German, even when I lived there for 20 years. But here, everybody's mixed. So you can't really tell. But that was kind of fun, like having customers like ask me all the time and how it changed. But so in Germany, customer service is very different. And it's actually people study to be customer service people there and they go to school and uh, they do practice and everything and here people just get the job and they do what they have to do Um, and actually the customer service here is much better than it is in Germany so I told my manager in my interview I said you know what my big goal is I know I don't have experience but my big goal is going to be to provide better customer service than I had in Germany and like I said I feel that got me the job and I did make that my goal just to try to make the customer happy and the good news is at Blockbuster. I mean, obviously, you probably had. I mean, this happens. But I had very few conflicts with customers actually altogether, because at the end of the day, you can always find a resolution. You just have to yeah. listen, listen to the customer and be a little flexible and just explain it in calm terms. And I mean, I, I got pretty good at it. I had a lot, of, you know, a lot of practice. Um, but I mean, I had some. Like one guy threatened me; he'd be, find me or something. I was at a different store or so, whatever. But again, very rare considering I was there two and a half years. And um, so that was always my guiding goal. It's like, just provide better service than in Germany. Or in Germany, they just would like say, no, we don't have it. And that's it. And they turn their back on you and just like walk away. (laughs) And so so that was always my driving factor. After 20 years of experiencing that, it's like, no, I'm going to try to make the customer happy. I'll do my best. If a customer is being unreasonable, I'll just say, hey, that's the district policy and that's it. I know I had some customer, like I had this one customer. Who came and um, she had these movies who were, that were 30 days over, right? And of course, we didn't have late fees anymore. And so we had sold them to her. And she had them for three months, I think. I looked at her account. And so she just threw them on the table and she said, well, okay, I'm returning these. I need a refund. And I looked at her account and I said, no, I'm sorry. It's like you've had them three months and that's the policy. I'm sorry. And uh, she, I was working with one of these guys I talked about who had been there five, six years. And she knew him, obviously. And I'd only been there a couple of months. And she said, she kept on looking at him. And he, she said, oh, hi, Kevin. And he's like, oh, hey, how are you doing? And so I said, no, I'm really sorry. And she just ignored me at some point. And I was, again, 23, 24 at that point. And I was one of the youngest. I was like the youngest uh, store manager in the district. And uh, one of the only women. And um, just people looked at me. And sometimes they dismissed me, too, with that. That was an interesting experience, being like a young manager. Because people just assumed the older person was the manager. And um, so she looked she just ignored me and at some point she said yeah no i'll go over to the manager even though my sign my blockbuster sign did say manager but i guess she didn't read it and so she she went over to him she said oh this person this woman this girl is being unreasonable i want to return these movies and um and he looked at her and he said no i'm sorry i'm i'm not the manager she is in charge you know so and uh she got all upset and she's threw the movies down and left the store. But I mean, in most of those cases, if somebody came up to me and it's like, oh my God, I had this, this was hidden in my kid's room. Um, and I know I, you can't take it back. I understand that. But with those people, if somebody gave me that, I usually gave them a credit. And my store manager was really good. I learned a lot from my store manager, especially about how, um, you know, when he said, you know, you're really good, but you're sort of slow. And he said, you have to combine accuracy with speed. You know, you can't just like just be focused on one thing and just not get em- enough done. And I try to rem- I still try to remind myself of that every day. And um, so if somebody like that, he said, you can, if you want to give somebody credit, go ahead. Um, but, uh, but you don't have to give them the district manager's number because the district manager, he's not going to listen to, hi- he or she's not going to listen to their voicemail that much. And uh, they'll back you up because they don't really want to give the credits. But I thought if that keeps our customer, I'm going to do it. So it really depended exactly. on the customer's approach. And uh, if the customer just said, no, you have to do it. Yeah, well, then I just said, okay. She's like, I'm going to talk to your manager and you'll be fired. And I'm like, okay, here's his name. He's going to be here tomorrow at 12. You can be here. And I knew he'd back me up. So that was great. And um, I knew the district manager. I mean, again, if somebody had the th- movie for three months and they just say you have to take it back, well, no. I'm pretty rigid. I, I was rigid in that respect. And German, that's sort of a German trait. And just say no. But, yeah, if somebody was nice about it, and said i'm sorry i just I'm, I'm really sorry and it's just like just forgot about this movie that's fine so that was kind of interesting like weighing that how you're going to deal with a customer and keep the customer you want but you know still adhere to policy it was it always a thin line
0: yeah oh absolutely it was it was wild ha- having to deal and the, the no late fees thing again it was a lot easier from a uh, from an employee standpoint um but man that made some people so angry
1: <laughs> oh I yeah. But I guess from revenue I was always wondering, like, you know, they must have lost a lot of
0: revenue. They must have, yeah. They were they were hoping people just wouldn't pay attention to the charge off.
1: I guess, yeah. Well, I mean a lot of people didn't pay attention, so
0: Yeah. I mean that's why they moved to Movie Pass and stuff, right? Is it's a guaranteed amount of money each month without caring about how much transacted. And that was the thing at the beginning, the company was far more interested when I started there on transactions than they were on profit margin. They, okay. they were all of the hours and everything were dictated by transaction quantity. So they, they didn't care how they didn't care how much the movie was worth that you sold them. They cared how many of them you could rent at one time. So it was always like, you know pile it up get them to get popcorn get them to get candy get them to get another movie and those individual scans was what they tracked and it was very interesting to see them start to move away from that um it made you know figuring out hours and stuff a little more difficult
1: oh interesting yeah okay I mean transactions were still important when I was there but yeah it really it really was about the profit match, margin you right and That's why the
0: rewards program was so big. We'll give you free favorites. It's like you're realizing that, you know, they're they're gi- they're giving you free one if you buy one because then you're, they're getting you to rent a movie that they've owned for so long. Yeah, that they're just making 100 profit off of it.
1: Exactly. And
0: yeah, it's wild. Well, it's uh, th- this has been awesome, and I would love to invite you if, if you can come up with new things or if you ever want to come on again because you have something to promote or you just want to talk movies some more, I'd love to have you on again. But um, I'm uh, getting near the end of my lunch break, so I wanted to really, really thank you for being on. Um, I hope you had a good time.
1: Oh, I had a great time. Thank you so much, Chris, for having me on.
0: Oh, of course. And I, I really wanted to give you... A...
1: Rem- I enjoyed reminiscing.
0: Oh, it's great. right? This is addictive. That's what I like doing. I wanted to give you a chance to plug your, uh, your movie review site again. And um, anything else, you know, any shout outs or anything you want to give or just anything you want to tell people? Because a decent amount of people listen to this show. So that's a chance.
1: All right. So I have a movie group called Be Critical on Facebook. And, um, you know, it's still in sort of uh, young stages. Um, So it's a a group where anybody can post a movie review if they want or just discuss movies. And um, so, yeah. We're at uh, like 240 members, but I'd love to have more. The more, the merrier. And I'm, as as I said, um, especially during this time of shelter in place, uh, this I'd like to for be be critical to be you know a kind of a like a safe space or a home where people can go and get some movie recommendations and just make this these hard times you know a little easier. So yeah, I'd love to welcome you if you
0: feel yeah. so inclined. Awesome. Well, Diana, it's been an absolute blast to meet you and to get a chance to talk to you and have you on. And um, thank you everyone listening for making it a talkbuster night or day or whenever you're listening. And please be kind, rewind. Bye.